I would like to read with you in the first book in your Bible, the book of Genesis. That's going to be our first reading. Book of Genesis. Chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number uh, 4. Speaking about two sons here. Genesis 4 and 4. And Abel he brought, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and a fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell, and the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? Thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. Thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now, way over your New Testament, please, to the Gospel of Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Gospel of Luke in chapter 2. chapter 2, verse number 6. And it was so that while they were there, as Joseph and Mary, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room. There was no room for them, not just him, but for them in the inn. Now, just while we're in Luke's gospel, over chapter to uh, chapter 13, please. Even though we'll speak on them maybe in a different order. But chapter 13 and verse number 25, 24. Luke chapter 13, verse number 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many I say unto you will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and is shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know ye not whence ye are. Then shall ye be in the same. Well, we've eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know ye not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves out or thrust out. Final reading of Revelation chapter 3, please. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Last book in your Bible. And verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now I think that uh, you will notice what we have read together tonight uh, certainly has a definite link. We have read about doors. It's interesting to just go through your Bible and notice the many, many times that doors are referred to in different settings. Even though I'm not going to take time to do that tonight, I want to draw your your attention to, to four distinct doors. 
I want you to notice the first door. That, these doors are all closed, by the way. All of these doors are closed. There's a reason why they're closed. The first door that we read about in Genesis chapter 4 was a door that was closed stubbornly. Here, here's somebody that made up their mind. His name was Cain. Didn't matter. Didn't matter what God said. He had his way, and he was going to come. And if I can put it like this, without sounding irreverent, he didn't care what God thought. If he couldn't be accepted this way, that, that was just too bad. In other words, he was his own savior. He was going to plan his means by which he would be accepted with God. And the result of that is that he kills another man. But I want to think of a door that is closed stubbornly. That's what God says to him. If you do well, why are you wrath? If God, he says, a sin offering lieth at the door, whatever way you want to look at the sin offering, the issue was at the door. But it was a door that was closed stubbornly. Secondly, we read in a, of another door, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, and that was a door that was closed commercially. You will never convince me that there wasn't lots of room. Lots of room in that inn. There just was not any room for those that were coming to it. Somehow I get the picture of the innkeeper looking down the road and thinking, Oh no, no, no. Not these people. Not these people. Somebody behind them? Yes, not these people. Because it distinctly tells us concerning Joseph and Mary and the newborn babe, the Lord Jesus Christ, of which it is said there was no room for them in the end. That was a door that was closed commercially. It would be bad for business. And I will point out to you later, going through the Acts of the Apostles, when people <laughs> had gotten saved and their life was changed, there were those that were so irate, they were so angry. They said, the hope of our gains is gone. This is not good for business. The door was closed commercially. But then we read of another door closed in Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. That's a door that is closed firmly. When once the master of the house rises up and shuts to the door, and she begins to knock, and you will knock. No, not everybody does. Why does it, it seem to separate a certain people knocking at a closed door? Because these people knew that the door was the way to heaven. And they're on their way. There's no break in the statement. There's no semicolon. They're on their way. They have intention of getting inside the door. But that door is closed. And it was closed firmly. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, we read of another door that's closed. The Lord Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him, will sup with him, and he with me. And that is a door that is closed personally. A door that is closed personally. That's a door that you have control over tonight. That really is your door. And the picture that I want to apply tonight is the Savior standing outside that closed door. So we've read about four closed doors. One that was closed stubbornly. Secondly, another one that was closed commercially. One that's closed firmly. And one that is closed personally. I want to come back to Genesis chapter 4. Cain was the first person born into this world. And he was born into this world just the way you and I were born into this world. He was born a sinner. He could have said, just like the psalmist, and sin did my mother conceive me. He was born a sinner. All have sinned, and everyone in this meeting tonight were born into this world sinners. That's why nobody had to teach you how to lie. Nobody had to teach you how to deceive people. Nobody had to teach you how to do wrong. That came with your birth. 
That's just the way that Cain was born in this world. I think there had to be times. There had to be times when his father and mother would tell him how God had made a provision for them in that Garden of Eden. How they had sinned. How they had disobeyed. And yet God made coats of skins and made a provision for them. I somehow think that Abel would have stood there listening intently to that. Like a boy that wants salvation listening to his mother tell how she got saved. You have a mother today that can tell you how she got saved? Thank God for that. I preached to hundreds. They have neither parent that can tell them how they were saved. Don't know anything about it. And there's lots of people that come into these meetings. They've come into these meetings in the short time we've been here. And they have no parents that they know of that can tell them how they were saved. That's a tremendous privilege. Cain was, Cain was a man that came from a privileged home. He came actually from a Christian home. His parents were Christians. But that wasn't for him. That's okay for mom and dad. They're old people. But I'm getting on with life. And I'm going to make my way. Yeah, I'll do the sacrifice bit. Don't worry about it. If they spoke to Cain, you'd say, hey, get off my case. You know, just chill out on it. Just don't bother me. You, you can read it. Just read the passage. It's almost coming out of the man. He's mad before you start talking to him. You ever met people like that? They're just angry at the world. They're angry at themselves. They're angry at everybody. <coughs> because they're not getting their way. And this man here was a man that wanted to get his own way. You know something? He got it. He got his own way. Yeah. Do what the Bible says before it closes in June. Woe unto them. Woe unto them that have gone in the way of Cain. What was the way of Cain? Just his own way. Now he knew it was required. He knew that a sacrifice. Listen, the fruit of the ground, whatever he brought, who could stand in condemnation of that? But that's not what God required. Do you understand that to go to heaven tonight, God still wants sacrifice. The sacrifice, and the only sacrifice that he will accept, is the sacrifice of his son at Calvary. That's what happened when the Savior died. He made a sacrifice for sin. And so every person that's saved somehow, somewhere in their life, they have simply come to trust that work for themselves. In a sense, they have brought that sacrifice to God. Now do you have a time like that? Do you have a time like that? Hope I'm not speaking. So if I am today, I hope you'll change your mind before the meeting's over. Because you don't want to die like Cain died. You do not want to die as this man died without Christ and without a Savior. You do not want to go under that blanket coverage where it says, Woe unto them that have gone in the way of Cain. Stubbornness for a door that could have been opened. All he had to do was open himself to God. That's what happens in repentance. A person literally opens themselves to the word of God and acknowledges that what God says is true. I'm the guilty one. I'm the sinner. They want that to happen. Closed doors can be very frustrating, especially on the wrong side of one. <clears throat> I remember being in uh, Florida. I guess it's likely eight or ten years ago now. I don't want to think it's that long, but it likely is. And the uh, ladies where we were wanted to go over to the Bradenton Mall. And we were in, <coughs> excuse me, just above St. Petersburg and Madeira Beach. So myself and another man, we agreed to drive them over there. So we went over to Brayton Mall to these outlet stores and... Uh, you know, time was an issue. We were running close. As I said to them, are we going to be out? They said, we called. The stores don't close. So, good enough. We had them over there maybe uh, 10, 15 minutes before closing time in the store. They went. While we were there, there's two ladies that throw up right about closing time and a very, in fact, just a little after closing time, maybe a minute or two, in a very, very nice car. Now, you have to ask some of these young guys, <coughs> one young fellow, what the make of the car was, I have no idea. 
I just know I don't drive those brands, okay? Nice car. Nicely dressed. I'm sure my the girls in our family tell you what they were wearing. It didn't matter to me. And at this point it didn't matter to anybody else either. And they just kind of went up to the door like they owned the place and put their hand in the door to open it and the door was locked. And they pulled it again. It's locked. They looked at their watch. It might have been two or three minutes after. Maybe it was five minutes after. I don't know. Did it matter? What do you think they did? Realized they were too late, went back to their car? Oh, no. They began knocking on that window. Banging on that window. The lady, one lady was standing there at the till and she was emptying the till out and she just kind of looked back and kept her account with great, kept doing her work. I want to tell you, I heard the oaths and curses come out of the mouths of those two women because they would not come and open up for them. They may have had the means to buy the place. I don't know. And everything that was in the place. But that door was firmly closed. No amount of money, no amount of pleading, no amount of bad language, no amount of calling or whatever it would be would open that door. Same with this tea here. You know what I'm saying? You keep your door closed, God keeps his closed. Revelation chapter 3, you open your door, God's door is open. God says this, Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can close it. When God says before an individual an open door, nobody can close it. No preacher can close it. And I'm going to tell you something. When God closes the door, nobody can open it. Mom can't open it. Dad can't open it. Sunday school teacher can't open it. Gospel preacher can't open it. And you can't open it. All this, all this man had to do, all Cain had to do was acknowledge the error of his way. All he had to do was say, hey, listen, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And admit before God that he was just a guilty sinner and confess that he needed a sacrifice or confess the sacrifice. That's really the word, the, the setting that is used there. But he was going to do that. He made up his mind he wasn't going to come God's way. I make people like that. I'm sorry to say that. You know how the Bible describes them? It describes them like a man that is joined or he's glued or he's so attached to something that he won't let it go. It, it uses another analogy in the book of Hosea. It says he's like a, a, an animal, a heifer, a backsliding heifer. God says, leave him alone. Let Hosea go. Let him go to his way. Hosea says it's like a backsliding heifer. This man was not going to clo- open the door. Even though it was his issue. Even though it was his sin. That's what kept the door shut. It was his sin. My friend, what keeps the separation between you and God tonight is your sin. That's why you need a sacrifice. That's why you need a Savior to take your sin away. Let's look at the second one. Here's a door that's closed commercially. Now you may say, ah, doesn't affect me. Oh, doesn't it? Well, maybe it doesn't. I live in a town... And I know men in our town that go to a particular church because it's good for business. They tell me that. I know one man, he runs a flower shop. He's a pilot. His name is Art Gold. And he's down there and he's in the choir. He's in this and he's that. He's very, very involved. And of course all those people come to his store and they buy their flowers instead of going to Walmart and some of the discount places they come to Gould's Nursery. It's good for business. He tells me that. Very open about it. Now he may enjoy his church or whatever. He knows nothing in the way of heaven. And uh, he'll listen to you for a while, but really he's not too interested. Because you know, if they ever heard in the town of Sussex that Art Gould went to the Gospel Hall, he thinks business would be over. 
Brilliant. That's his mentality. Now you, you would go through your Bible, you would find that in Acts chapter 19. Listen to what they're saying. Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. And as a result of that, it's not good for business. Our craft is in danger. Just over the change of someone's life. Go a little further in the Acts. Or back even in chapter 16. What's it say before the Philippian jailer story? When the hope of their gains was gone. Oh, there's no gain for them. There's nothing in it for them. As a result, they're irate. They're saying, this is not good for business. How about you tonight? Let me ask you tonight. If you're not saved, you might as well admit it. There's a door somewhere in your life that you have bolted shut against the Savior. That door is closed. For whatever reason, something maybe you want to do is just, maybe it's just irrelevant. Maybe it's something that just isn't on your high priority list. As far as you're concerned, it'll take more than a gospel preacher. It likely will to open it. But I'll tell you something, friend. God will not force himself upon you. I remember one time, I was having meetings at a place called Champlain Heights. It's, it's really part of the city of St. John, New Brunswick, not far from where we live. The major city in our province of New Brunswick, eastern Canada. And uh, I was having gospel meetings and uh, meetings where we were in a library and everything was tough about those meetings. I had a, the librarian, I had a schematic drawn just to have those chairs and those tables just in the right way. And uh, she still complained. So I had that to deal with. Somebody stole my sign, had that to deal with. And it was just tough going. In fact, the partner, the man was preaching with me, he just gave up. And I thought, well, we will just maybe keep going a little longer. Anyhow, I may go tell you the, I may tell you the rest of that story. But anyhow, this one day, I'll tell you how tough it was. I said to my wife, you're going to go visiting with me today. She said, I'm not going with you today. She ain't going to go. I said, you're going to go on one side of the street, and I'm going on the other. Nobody's going to touch you. I'm going to keep an eye on you. She, are you sure? I said, I'm sure. But you know my deal? Well, I guess I could. So she came along with me. She'd have been on her side of the street maybe than I did. But while I'm going down the street, I saw this man come along with his pickup truck this time of year and his wood piled in the back of it. And you know, as he went by me, he gave me that kind of... Listen, I've been around for a while, okay? And I've knocked at a few doors. He just kind of gave me this kind of a look. Hey, listen, boy. You see this maroon-colored pickup in a driveway. Don't bother knocking on the door. I'm not interested. Okay? Don't even think about it. Just kind of give you that look. Got out of his truck. He just, I got a message. Don't knock any out. So as I was coming along, I remember I had a couple of houses to do. I just happened to look at his driveway and where he got out of his pickup truck. And there's a big thick wallet laying right there in the, right there beside the pickup truck. I thought this would be interesting. So I walked up by his pickup truck and I picked up the wallet. And uh, just before I'd come, I should tell you, this may be a door, so you could always hear him shut the door like. I remember it had a big glass one like this, and, you know, he, everything was bolted shut. Now there's, Mr. Man, no, you bother knocking on my door. So I knocked on his door. Of course, he wasn't coming. Knocked a little louder the second time, still not going to move, just like you. Third time, I knocked like I meant business. I remember he came all right. He grabbed that door on the inside. He pulled that thing back, wrenched that thing back, and the suction almost feel that glass go. And all I did, 
I just stood there and I just held oh, it was a lot bigger than mine this wallet like that can, can I tell you how the, the, the look on his face changed suddenly the anger is gone suddenly there's no more the red fired up look I don't always fired up about it anyhow now he's kind of fumbling for the thing he's going to, uh, he's going to open the door so he opens the door <clears throat> I said uh, sir your wallet he said looks like it this is not good enough your wallet yeah he says mine okay he gave his wallet thank me I said I got something else for you he took the gospel papers I'd love to tell you that he came and got saved that didn't happen but he took the invitation now what made him change his mind why would he open the door you know why he opened the door because he saw something on the other side of the door that had value okay and that was his that's what we're preaching in the gospel something on the other side of the door that has value that can be yours I mean he could have left it shut and just gave it away and I'll be honest with you I just kept on going now you want the rest of the story he didn't get saved last night in that series of meetings a man came in he'd actually come in a little earlier that man got saved to make a long story short as a result of him getting saved there's 11 that have gotten saved and likely 9 of them are in the assembly fellowship so I can hardly call it a tough series of meetings would you call it? i go for that again anytime but I ask you that what will it take you to open your door? now oh, come on listen. let's not play around with this thing you know right well you don't need me to come up here and spend 45 minutes trying to convince you you've got the door shut you've got it shut you know it maybe you'd like to present yourself as otherwise that the door's closed if you're not saved that door's closed maybe you don't have the attitude of a cane maybe you're a little bit more pliable maybe you're just a little bit more gentle about the thing doesn't matter the door's still closed I mean I have people that are quite nice about it yeah they are I walk right by people's dining room window they've been sitting at their, having their meal and they see me come to the door they never move I push the doorbell they still don't come and when I walk by past the door they're still eating and they don't even wave they just kind of smile away you go <laughs> they're just not coming you going to come? what will take to open your door? what will take to open yours? I want to tell you something that door could open pretty quick I've seen it open awful fast I saw a man one day he stood a farmer and he said listen his wife had gotten saved he says you don't give me this I'm just not I'm just too busy right now I got this time to go I got my crop in I got to get to this I got to do that I got to do the other thing I said if you die you won't do that he said I'm not dying oh well that was a Friday afternoon when I visited him Sunday afternoon he was flat his back in the hospital oh this is a different man now you wouldn't know he was the same man oh he wants to pray for him now we read the Bible and he wasn't putting his crop in his kind neighbors were putting his crop in for him but now the man had a listening ear and I do not know if Joe Krebs got saved or not I know his wife did you know let that happen sometimes God in his kindness allows things to take place so that the door will open but he'll never force it never forces it so we have a door that's closed separately we have a door that is closed commercially I want to think of a door that is closed personally. Here's a door that's closed personally. The Lord Jesus stands out and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
Now listen. He said, never knocked at my door. Oh, hasn't he? Anybody in your family ever gotten saved? He knocked at your door. If anybody in your family has been saved, he knocked at your door. Noah, Noah in the Bible who built the ark is the first one of whom it is said, Come thou and all thy house, all thy house into the ark. God's intention for salvation is not to save one family member, not to save the other family member, and to divide the house. God's salvation, don't preach that because that's not true. God's salvation does not divide the home. Sin does. God's salvation, God's desire and design of salvation is that the whole house would be saved. Absolutely. Bible teaches that. God brought the gospel to your home like he brought to mine. And his desire is that the whole house will be saved. Are you saved tonight, dear? How about you? He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Very gently. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. I will sup with him. And he with me. I want to work the two of them together. I want to come just for a minute to chapter 13 to another group of people. You know, here are people, like I mentioned at the opening remarks, that come to a door that is shut, that is closed firmly. That door is never, never going to open again. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door, Mr. Barnhart was speaking to the children there on Sunday afternoon in Terryville, Connecticut. There was a door, a fairly heavy door, just over to his really to his right to our left as we sat in the audience and he's just explaining about the door being shut and he just walked over and he just pulled that door shut there's just something the way that the latch was and just kind of a very final sound to it when once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door and she began there's no break she began to knock in other words here were people and they were just about there. Why knock at the door? We say, I know better than that. The door's, if the door's locked, I'm not going to knock at it because I know there's no hope. You'll knock at it. Sure you will. Why would a man in Luke chapter 16, same gospel, <coughs> beg for a drop of water when he knew he was going to get it? My friend, when you're in a place where there's no hope, anything is hope. These people had some kind of a misgiving idea. Hope, just, just hope against hope. Maybe. Maybe it will open. You know what he says? Depart from me, I never knew you. Every time I go by Yankee Stadium down there, I'm reminded of something I read about Yankee Stadium a number of years ago. It wasn't that many years ago. It was uh, before the final construction of the new stadium. But Mr. Steinbrenner Brenner was having an awful time with uh, the VIP areas. And the men that were down there looking after these VIP areas were having difficulty because these big black limos would come up and the windows were all covered and uh, they would just kind of put down the power window partway and keep going and say, uh, we're friends of Georgia's, we're coming into park. And, and the agent would just, whatever. It kept happening, happening. Then of course people would come that did have permits to get in there and there's no room for them. This went on for a while until Mr. it got to Mr. George Steinbender's attention. And he said, he's going to do something about it. No, he did. He put on a raincoat. He put on a New York parking lot attendant's cap. And he went down and went right to one of the parking areas. Sure enough, 
pretty soon he comes he sees a limo coming they come in and just kind of slow down and put the window down said that we're friends George wait a minute he said he pulled his hat off I'm George Steinbrenner what do you want to know what are you doing here oh he said uh, we want to park here he said should I know you he said I don't know you out of here out of here I don't know you and out they went listen friend if the manager and the owner of a ball team be it the richest ball team in the world can put people out like that who do you, you're not going to fool him who do you think you are you're going to fool God people have a misgiving idea that oh, oh, God's loving he's kind and you know after all he knows I was thinking about coming he knows I went to the gospel hall and I listened to the gospel I took a night off it was a Monday night and I remember went down there and I listened to the gospel sure he's not going these people thought that too they thought that too Matthew chapter 25 there's other people they're very good very clean living people and I thought oh, the bridegroom that's alright we know he's coming and we know we need oil we know we need this and that but after all Sure, he's going to consider that we're we're just not the average Joe in town. We're we're clean living people, and sure, he's going to do something for us. No, he's not, friend. The invitation has come. I can stand here. You know, it's a wonderful thing to stand here on a Monday night and look you people in the face and tell you there's an open door, and tell you tonight that you can come. That you don't have to stay outside that door. Do you know only the only thing I could think worse than not being safe, not coming tonight? Is to think if there was one soul in this company that misses what we're talking about, never opens the door to the Savior, never opens themselves to the gospel, just kind of put it off to some. Oh, it wasn't that they didn't believe they had to have, have to have it, but it would just be some distant thing. They'd look after it eventually. And they miss it. They die in their sins and they go down to hell. And they think if I could just bring back that Monday night in the Midland Park Gospel Hall. When the door was open. When that chart was there that depicted both doors. If, if those moments just could come back. What I would do now. But it's too late. There's all kinds of people like that. There's gospel preachers that actually think in those terms. If I could get back some of the moments of some of the people I've talked to and visited to visited with if I could just get those moments back we wouldn't have spent time talking about the weather and talking about this and talking about the other thing we'd have talked more about heaven and hell and where you're going to be forever it's all that matters how about you tonight friend remember going one time into the Sheridan restaurant St. Thomas Ontario fellow standing fellow sitting there he said stop he said hey come on over I'll buy you your breakfast well, that sounded good for me so I went over sat down and uh, bought me my breakfast we ordered it so I started speaking about um, children's meetings for him because children come to the children's meetings look he says can I not buy you breakfast without you preaching to me I said yeah is that what you want Jim I said I'd like to see you and Audrey come to the gospel meeting too he said okay I know you do Maria I know you do but why don't you just enjoy your breakfast you know something that's what I did I enjoyed my breakfast. That was Saturday morning. He's telling me, oh, Jim was, he had big plans. <coughs> he was a small time contractor, <coughs> just to finish the nice duplex, uh, it's what we call split entry house up our way, multi level house, and uh, 
They're moving into it Sunday. And uh, well, I went to work Monday morning. My dad came across the, I can, yeah, I can see him yet coming across the parking lot on our farm. And he said, did you hear the news this morning? I said, what news? He says, Jim Jewell's gone. I said, Jim Jewell? Well, that's the man I had breakfast with on Saturday morning. He's gone. Late 30s. He's taking this last load of furniture. Audrey was driving the pickup. Some of us will remember those inserts they used to first put into pickup trucks. Those liners were pretty slippery. He was in the back. Mattresses were piled up and bed heads and frames in between them, whatever. And it was in the springtime of year, and maybe the road was washed off a bit over the asphalt. Whatever happened. And she went around the corner. She got a couple wheels of the truck over the side, and she went to correct truck of quite a lurch and it sent that man out the side of the pickup to land on his head in the ditch and it broke his neck Jim was gone and I have thought since if I have thought since to add to that the house that he was building for somebody else not the house he moved in, the house he was building for somebody else was right across from the Pioneer Cemetery in Dutton, Ontario small town, maybe 800 people I'm sure as he worked there and he saw Bell's funeral home, maybe, maybe come up the driveway. Thought, yeah, that's Mrs. So and So. She's an old lady. She died. Oh yeah, and he'd keep working. Likely didn't, likely didn't start to saw up while they were having the ceremony. He was a respectful character. But you know, I want to tell you this. You know what he did? You know what Jim Jewell, Jewell did not realize? The next time, the next time that Bell's funeral home hearse goes up that driveway between those pine trees, his body be in the back of it. It was a door that is shut firmly. Well, my friend, let's just take this and turn this the other way around. Let's come right back here to a door that's open tonight. Let's come to one who says, "I'm the door. Bind me if any man enter, and he shall be saved." I, you know, I've had uh, different say to me, you know, you don't have that door depicted right. You should have it wide open. I, I don't know if we could draw it properly enough to show it as wide open as it should be. Because they're absolutely right. I cannot tell you tonight as wide open as that door is. It is that. When the Lord Jesus said, strive to enter at the straight gate, I don't really think, in fact, the word that is used, he's thinking of people, um, you know, grabbing this and grabbing that and pushing this and pushing that to uh, get in the door you know the harder part is to let go of what's holding you outside the door because the Lord Jesus spoke of this way as being very narrow and there's a lot of people and they would like salvation if they could carry through that door the very things that are taking them down to hell and if they could just get that through then that would be alright not so my friend not so but tonight, the door is open. He says, enter. He says, all the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Don't wait, friend. Don't wait. You know, his door does not close like the merchant's closes. You know how the merchant does not the mall? You hear them, you walk through the mall, but close them, hear the rattle, 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 and they, they bring it maybe nine-tenths of the way. Just to let you know, okay, you want to come in? Yeah, come in, but we're closing up. My friend, when the Lord Jesus cried on Calvary's cross, it is finished. That door literally swung open. Now there always was an opening in the Old Testament there. Israel always had an opening. But it took his death to put a door there. Because he says, I am that door. 
my friend, as suddenly as that door opened, just as suddenly will that door close. It's interesting, the word that's used is the master of the house rises up and he shuts to the door. With all his authority, he shuts to that door. And you're pleading, you're crying, we'll never open that door. But tonight, there's an open door. You can trust the Savior, you can be saved. Without raising a hand, without saying a prayer, you can be saved. Why would you not want that? You come tonight, into the door. The Bible says you'll be saved. Shall we pray?